I've just come to the conclusion there are no coincidences. There are God-ordained happenings that just seem like David going and taking lunch to his brothers, and God says, I got something bigger going on today, but I'll let you know about it when it happens. Community, today on In the Shadow of the Cross. everybody to another episode of In the Shadow of the Cross. I am Lauren Rosser and I'm here once again with my delightful friends Jim Durkin. Hello. And Michael Harden. Hello. hello. So before we turn on the microphone, we were actually having an interesting conversation about community. Um, we, we always try to come up with a topic to discuss and every once in a while we'll throw something out there and it sparks a conversation before we even get the, the mics rolling. And so we weren't sure where this is going to go, but we thought it would be cool to jump into it. Um, some thoughts as we get started on this, there are so many things you just go on Facebook, especially if you have like Christian friends and you go on Facebook, you'll, you'll see numerous memes to do with community. I just saw one today that said, Basically, if you find the perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it. You know, then I there was a, there's another one that said uh, I pull it up right here it says there's no such thing as a progressive Christian. You're either progressive or you're a Christian. You're either submissive to Christ or you're submissive to the culture. You can't be both. So these, these are the kinds of things I, I see on Facebook all the time. Um, so we just thought it'd be cool to just jump in and start talking about community. There's so many directions we can go with this. Um, one thing we did mention before we started rolling the mics was what exactly is it that we're looking for when we talk about community? Um, Jim, you had mentioned um, that if you could restate what you were saying about the different groups like Pentecostals, Catholics, what, what they're kind of looking for and how that ties into what we're talking about. Well, what, what I was saying is that each person, when they say, you know, I'm looking for a community of believers, you know, that I can fit into, that I can belong to, whatever. They're generally speaking, I won't say this is true in every case, but generally speaking, that comes down to um, such things as worship styles. It comes down to like-minded or or like um, set of beliefs, common set of beliefs. So, for instance, a Pentecostal uh, wants to go to a church where... Others are Pentecostal in their expression and worship and and whatever, and they believe the um, they believe in uh, miracles and healings and speaking in tongues and so on and so forth. Then you have your on the other end of it, you have your uh, more liturgical churches and um, somebody who's saying, "Well, I need a community, you know, of like-minded people." It's like. That means that you want to go and, and do the liturgy every week and, and so on and so forth. But in thinking about that, that would be kind of a very first level seeking community. We have, I believe there's, uh, it depends on how you cut the pie, but we have eight Pentecostal churches, churches that would identify themselves as we are a Pentecostal church. 
we have three churches that are Catholic churches here in town. And it would not take a person very long to go to all eight of those churches if you're Pentecostal and come out at the other end and say, I'm still looking for my community or as younger people might say, my tribe or, or, you know, my people or, or whatever. And so the, the question comes up that what is it when, when people are saying, I'm looking for my tribe, I'm looking for my community. What is it that they're really looking for? Because apparently it goes beyond um, just a worship style or, uh, you know, a format in the in the church service, the one hour, two hour church service, uh, if you're charismatic, the three hour church service, <laughs> whatever you know, whatever. Um, I feel like the so, yeah, so. Thank you, Lord. I wasn't born a charismatic. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 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 <laughs> so, um, community must mean something more. And and the the second thought that I had was that. We get this kind of uh, uh, erroneous idea of what the church, the first century church, was like. And when we talk about the first century church, we're not we 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 think we're talking about something that lasted hundreds of years. Um, the example given to us in Acts, where they went from house to house, they fellowship, the breaking of bread. Uh, you know, they were all. I I called it, uh, they were all a musical happening every day, you know, skipping down the lane, singing arm in arm, and everything is beautiful in its own way, you know. And, and, and we get that from just a couple of verses in Acts, and then we call that the first. So, so you have a whole contingency of people who are trying to get back to community the way they did it in acts and so we have house church movement and and yet people are still looking for something on a much deeper level so that's kind of that's kind of my initial thoughts when even the word community comes up those are really good yeah. thoughts and yeah. uh, I, I want to build on that um and and so michael you had um you had shared something on the deeper on the on the side of what some people are looking for that doesn't even exist yet. Can you can you expand on on, on what you were sharing before we turn the mics on? Yeah, well, I mean, what I was saying is that that currently in Christendom uh, there is no common unity. It doesn't exist. Okay, the ecumenical movement is, for all intents and purposes, dead. Uh, interreligious dialogue is dead. Um, there's just the doctrinal splits that are out there uh, are infinite, infinite in number. Because, again, if in modern Christianity, you tend toward Gnosticism. So it's, I need to find people that think like I do. I believe in the same things I do. And, uh, and you, I mean, the, here I am, you know, uh, I mean, I love Jesus, you know, and... Uh, but I, I have developed a very non-sacrificial way of understanding the gospel. I can't go to church because I literally, I, I did try to go to church about a month or so ago with a neighbor. 
And it, it, it was like I needed intellectual epicac. I needed something to cleanse my brain from this absolutely absurd sermon for 40 friggin' minutes on the first two verses of Ephesians. And it was more BS than I've ever heard in a sermon. And it, you know, it was done with the authority of the word of God. And it was just like, oh, you know, so... I can't, you know, we, but, but that's, that's it. There's no common unity. So we're in a place of fragmentation right now. Christianity has been deconstructed, okay? And uh, you got people coming out of the woodwork writing books on, I, I'm going through deconstruction. You got others are going, I went through it, and this is where I ended up. And, it, and none of them realize yet that they haven't ended up anywhere, right? We, we are in the desert right now. Historical Christendom is in the desert. We are wandering. And all we're given right now is day-by-day manna. I I really think that. Uh, And so, you know, people will always go to where they've got friends, churches where you make friends, you know, and you got your friends there. And and, and that's great if that's enough for you, you know. Uh, For someone like me, that's not enough. I'm, I'm looking to join a mission, a, a congregation as a real mission that isn't friggin' agenda-driven, you know, whether to save souls from hell or whether the, to put food pantries in the community. I'm looking at a, I'm looking, I would be looking for a church or a community that is gospel-driven. That, to me, would be very exciting. Yeah, yeah, and, and then and then, but then that opens up a whole other can of worms in the sense of like we talked about in the past of what is the gospel. Okay. We had a whole podcast on that, and and so like on the surface level, so many people would say, yeah, yeah, most people, me too, me too. But but then you can run into the trouble of what is the gospel for a lot of people. The gospel is sacrificial, like yep. uh, like you were just talking about how there's there's such a move away from the sacrificial now uh, for a lot of people, um, including us that, that are even our definition of the gospel has, has changed. Yeah. I think if I, if I had to go to church, I would go to Catholic mass because the acknowledgement is straight up front. We are talking about the sacrifice of the mass, you know, direct acknowledgement. Whereas typical Protestant Christianity hides the sacrifice, you know? Yeah. I've, I've, um, Full disclosure, I basically ended up at an Episcopalian church right now um, just because, again, connections with friends who go there. And uh, and and I've, I do find the liturgy, the prayer is very beautiful. Um, but like Jim, I, I have um, I very much believe in the gifts of the spirit and things like yeah. that. So I'm, I'm kind of a, a charismatic attending an Episcopalian church. <laughs> well, you, know, you never know if this is the era, this is the time. When, as everything falls apart and tribes and, and clans and groups and are split apart, if when we all come back together, that won't bring some kind of, I don't know. You know what I'm trying to say here? Some kind of new mm-hmm. matrix where, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I have this kind of mental picture, if you will, of, a, of an architectural firm and the the head of the architectural firm telling uh you know all all the his employees i want you to go out and i want you to uh come up with a concept for a, a building that it's like we've never seen it before we've never done it before and so they they come back and and 
you know, they're, they've got their, their, you know, their drawings and whatever. And they're, uh, you know, and, and, and they're presenting it. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. That's been done. No, 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 no. We've already done that. No, 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 no. And, and you got this one guy, maybe he's even the junior guy on the, on the, in the committee or whatever, you know, and he's got something that is so radically different that they're all laughing at him. They're like, are you kidding me? It's like, who would ever come up with an idea like that? And finally he says, well, I don't care. I'm going to pitch it anyhow. And and the top guy looks at it and says, that's it. That's what I'm looking for. Something has never been done. And I think that's kind of what, what you're saying, Michael, is we're kind of in a something that's never been done place. We don't even know what it's going to look like. Right. But it, it it's the structures of man, if you will, are kind of falling apart pretty pretty rapidly, really. And you've got two groups of people. You've got one group of people that's like, I think this is God that's causing these things to fall apart. So I'm just going to wait before God to find out what what's next. You got the other group of people that's out there with the with their mortar trying to <laughs> trying to patch all the holes and uh, let's let's fortify this brick and mortar church thing that I've got going on here and get the coffers filled back up again and the seats back, filled back up and by God I can get it done I'm the man for the hour and it so you got both things going on in the meantime. You've got, by the millions, you've got people walking away from it saying, man, I used to be a dyed-in-the-wool whatever, and now I can't, I can't do it anymore. I, I need something more. So I think that, that something more doesn't exist yet, whatever that something more, except perhaps in heaven. <laughs> And I don't mean dying and going to heaven. I mean, it's in the mind or the heart of God, but it's yet to be revealed in the heart and mind of men. I may be way off on that, but I don't, I don't, I don't think so. It's, it's interesting, Jim, because um, I mean, when you talk about people leaving it, I remember um, I did that along with my friends, David and, and Bob did that series church outside the walls mm-hmm. back in the, uh, it, that was back in 2006. And the stats back there were 13 million uh, believers had left. And now it's way beyond that. I want to say it's upwards of 20 million at this point. Um, I, I, and back then we thought those stats were high and now it's like even beyond that. Um, we were just at the beginning of the wave that was, that was forming on all that. And, and, uh, I, I thought it was interesting. Um, w- one of the things my heart breaks for and goes out to are, you mentioned those, uh, uh, those leaders and in, in, in church uh, church leaders who are trying to um, trying to rescue the church, if you will, trying to, like you said, patch up the mortar. Um, you know, they see the people bleeding right out. They're trying to get the members. They're trying to build it up. And what an exhausting place to be. Mm. I mean, really, it's it's. Um, I I feel for them because it's 
you you see it as it's this huge tragedy but really i think it's it's like we've been saying i think it's something the spirit is doing um but if all you've been taught is the marker of the growth of christianity is how many people are packing your pews it's it's really hard to to let something go into the desert that needs to go in the desert, especially if your livelihood depends on it. You know, the more people that are in the pews, the more, you know, security you have. Um, you know, that, that takes, I'm just going to be blunt. That takes some balls to be able to say, you know what, this is what God is doing. If, if God is in it, so be it. And he'll take care of me. You know, that's, that's not an easy place to be. So let's turn to our historian, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> oh, what? This can't. <laughs> this can't be the only time in the history of the church that they found themselves at a place where change was necessary, and I mean radical change. I don't think we. I don't think the answers we came up with was always the best for the future of, of the church, but uh, nonetheless. So can you take us through maybe a few examples of when, when things were progressing in one way, it kind of became obvious that change was necessary, and then what that change was and what the result of it was? You know, there's an, the best example comes from the New Testament. Uh, in the city of Antioch, somewhere between the years 48 and 49. The Apostle Paul has an encounter with a congregation who shares Jews and Gentiles in a common Eucharistic meal. And the Jerusalem church leadership uh, finds that to be offensive because the meal is no longer kosher. So they send emissaries up. And in this context, the Apostle Paul lost. And uh, Jewish Christianity and Gentile Christianity cut a very important cord. And the reason that I say that is that for Paul, his whole mission, his whole vision was the reunification of the Jew and the Gentile. And so here they come in and they just, basically what they're saying is this is an illegitimate mission. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, of course, even the closest to those to Paul left him. Now, that had a profound impact on Paul, that event. And he would write a f 10 letters over the next three years that we possess that reflect this event, it always in the back of his mind, but in Galatians, it's out front. And as he talks about this cosmic reconciliation of Jew and Gentile, Jew, it's always for Paul. This okay, so there was a structural change there, and it's no surprise that twenty years later, after Jerusalem falls, the Jewish Christians head east, and the Gentile Christian. Uh, bodies, uh, believers tend to take over the leadership role of the local congregations. And so by the time, you know, we hit the end of the first century, 
Jewish Christianity has uh, fled east into uh, you know Edessa and um, Perea and what is now Iran, Iraq. The church from that point on suffered because it, it, it had cut the cord with its mother, its history. So that we could do that. And we could talk about, okay, structural change. Well, not so much a structural change, but a change in vision. And we see this powerfully in the gospel narrative and Paul and, and the writer of, of John. Now, as far as structural changes go, we have to note that the very first and earliest example of a so-called church building is in Eurodoropus around the year 250. And um, this is really nothing more than a larger house with one room dedicated to worship. And uh, there's your house church, Lauren, right? <laughs> right. And, um, yeah, Graydon Snyder has, has done the best work here on this. Well, anyway... Now, if you move from Hartford, then you get to Constantine. And Constantine's mom wants to build a big church in Jerusalem. And now churches are starting to be built. Big, bigger churches to accommodate the masses. There's a big structural change there at Constantine that was, you know, I mean... I love wandering old church buildings. I, I love it. I love um, cathedrals and things. But, but I mean, the aesthetic is amazing, right? Or the age. But um, I'm reminded again that basically Christians uh, worship in a building rather than out in the natural world. I mean, if, if I could have my brothers, I'd rather much rather be in the forest worshiping than I would in a building. That's just me in my old age, I guess. Structural changes, the Reformation brought structural changes, and Zwingli and his iconoclastic band would bust out stained glass windows and everything would become very bare and stark, and then the Puritans come along and everything is supposed to hurt, the wooden benches are supposed to hurt. You know, if you can't sit there for four hours on your little tiny tailbone and praise Jesus, you've got a problem, you're gonna burn in hell, you know? <laughs> yeah. modern, modern architecture churches and modern architecture don't impress me and now we've moved to the warehouse church to me that's the end of the line when you have church in a friggin warehouse you're at the end of the line because now it's nothing more than a great big grand stage entertainment facility as you said earlier it's church the musical this Sunday when you join us as we praise the heavenly father yeah <laughs> now I feel like I'm taking my own shower again. <laughs> it's interesting because um, I, I wish I had the video clip here to play. Um, but in, in our that church outside the wall series, I was talking about. Um, we had uh, we interviewed Wayne Jacobson, who's written several books. Um, he was very influential on uh, writing the Shack, um, and uh, and and one of the things that he had said is that. If you seek the reality of church, you'll never find it. He, he goes, but if you seek Jesus, you will find other people that are walking along with him. And he says, that's when you find the reality of church. What are your thoughts on that? Well, for me, and I say this to visitors that I have, 
when they come to visit here at the house and we're talking about Jesus, I said, this is church. Yeah. What we're doing right here, the three of us, is church. Yes. When you gather in the name of Jesus to do the work of the Lord, that's church. Yeah. Um, it's funny because it falls right into what my friend David Fredrickson had said. He goes, "It's isn't it odd that he goes, you can show up at a place on Sunday morning and every Sunday, a place that's designated church, and now you've gone to church. He goes, on the other hand, Friday night, I could be hanging out with some believing friends. We could have an amazing conversation in, in a restaurant, maybe with a handful of us, maybe even lead the waitress to Christ. But we didn't have church because we weren't in this designated place on Sunday morning that's called church. And I thought that was a good, uh, a good observation on his part. Well, there was a, there was a period of time, and... I go back and forth. I, I do. Right now, I, I attend a uh, Sunday morning uh, congregational meeting. and But I go back and forth. And I, I spent probably six, seven years uh, not going anywhere on Sunday morning. And friends of mine uh, that still talk to me. I lost a lot of friends over it. I really did. Yeah. But friends of mine that still talk to me said, well, are you going to church? Or where do you go to church? Or have you gone back to church? Or, you know, questions like that. And I said, and I would say, yeah, yeah, I went to church several times this week. You did? Where did you go? Well, one was at Costco and I remember it seems like there's one down at the gas station, you know, and uh, at, you know, such and such a restaurant. And and because I came, it took me, it really took me a couple of years to come to really understand that there's a scripture that means what it says. Whenever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there in mm -hmm. their midst. And, and so I remember one time in particular, there was this couple in our town that they had stopped attending a Sunday morning fellowship several years before. And I was at the gas station. I was just getting ready to, you know, put the hose back and, and get in my car and drive off. And they came driving up, and they parked right, right next to me. And as I do sometimes, uh, I was like, "Well, if I jump in my car and pretend that I don't see them, <laughs> I can, I can get out of here. Otherwise, if I stay, I'm in for a half hour conversation." And I immediately dismissed that thought and said. You know, because I was trying to come to the understanding that when two or more are gathered, we're having church, if you will. And so I said, okay, well, this is not a coincidence that they drove up. They get out of their car. Jim, it's so good to see you. We exchange pleasantries and hugs and whatever. And then I find out that certain things in their life are falling apart. Yeah. And they had been asking God to bring somebody that could talk to them. And we had church. Yeah. I mean, we had church for a half hour. Yeah. And no, 
you know, we we didn't break bread and drink the cup. No, we didn't, you know, I didn't do the cross and the blessing and, you know, but but we talked to each other on a deep level that met a need. And we both drove away knowing that the Lord was in our midst, if you will. And, 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 and I think that we have to come to learn that le- lesson, that there are not coincidences. I still, sometimes in the grocery store, store still duck down an aisle, hoping not to see <laughs> somebody. <laughs> but that's still my issue. <laughs> I'm still being healed, if you will. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. It's all right, <laughs> especially if especially if I have a, a a six pack of beer in my cart, you know. It's like, uh oh, certain people I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> well, move over to Milwaukee. That ain't going to be a problem at all. <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I, I I have some pastor friends in Milwaukee, and I know the first place they took me to was the brewery. <laughs> yeah, they'd almost be like, "What? You don't drink beer? Get out of town!" <laughs> exactly. Our baseball team's called the Brewers for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't Milwaukee Light. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know, they can ask me, and I I'll honestly answer them. No, I don't drink beer. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Those of you who can't see, he panned his camera over to to his bar over in his apartment. <laughs> That's funny. But I think Jim, you're you're hitting on something really significant. Is that we talk about how it, it all begins at the cross? You know, everything we always it always goes back to the cross, and so even when we talk about community, it it begins with a laying down of our lives for each other. And so as I'm thinking about what is it we're really longing for, is that not really what we yearn for is people who we lay down our lives for each other with. And that doesn't necessarily take a formula format or or some kind of um, structure or thing that we build in that sense but relationships where I lay down my life for you or you lay down your life for me. Um, that, that That's kind of my thoughts on it is that, is it, do we kind of sh- focus the wrong way when we, when we look towards, okay, I got to find this thing called church to join versus who is father connecting me with that I'm supposed to lay down my life for them, to pour into them, whatever that is. And it's usually going to line up with your gift set. You know, the way you're designed, the talents you have, the, the the design you have is usually just as Jim, you help, were helping those people untangle in, in the questions they were having. Um, you know, you were, you were the answer to, to their prayer in that area. Um, I don't know, just, just some thoughts that, that I'm having on, it kind of goes back to how the kingdom of God is invisible and mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe too much we focus too much on something that now now let me before I go too far down that road let me say this if you have people walking together loving each other that's going to be visible in that sense but in the sense of like we establish this organization put a name on it and I'm not knocking that I'm just saying that that maybe we put a little too much emphasis on that side of it and saying this is church rather than on the side of 
the side of laying down our lives for each other and however that looks, however father chooses to connect that. Well, I think I do have a thought of, of, about that. And I was just kind of going back and forth in my mind of whether I would share this. How this whole podcast came came about is um, kind of an example of, of what you're talking about, Lauren. I uh, had been thinking for a long time that um, I'd like to do a podcast. Now, here's here's the thing. Here's my personality. My personality is such that I would only be good for one or maybe two podcasts, and I would uh, I would either lose interest or I just lose the motivation. And that's the way I am with almost everything in life. I need a partner who will keep yeah. me on task. Like, come on, Jim, it's it's time to do the podcast. Come on, Jim, it's time to go fishing. Come on, Jim, it's time to, you know, whatever, whatever. Go down, you know, go to the gym and, and go through our series of exercises. It's like, uh, you know, so any any rate, so I'm thinking, well, who is the kind who is the guy that I could do a podcast with that I really would enjoy because we think a lot alike. And I said, I know, my friend Lauren. He there's a guy, he has the technical ability, but he also our journeys are so parallel that I think we'd have a lot we'd we'd have a lot of fun just sharing. So I pick up the phone to call call you, Lauren, and you, you like laughed. And my first thought is like, why is he laughing at this idea? And then you said, Jim, you're not going to believe it, but I have Michael Harden sitting right here in my living room. And just 20 minutes ago, he said, have you ever thought about doing a podcast? What about the three of us doing it? Okay. The way I look at the, at things is that's a God orchestration. I could have called you two days before because it was on my mind for, it had been on my mind for a, a couple of months and Michael wouldn't have been there. I could have called you a month later and Michael wouldn't have been there. And you may not have remembered that Michael asked you or the other thing that could have happened is because Michael had asked you 20 minutes before, you may have said to him, yeah, let's do it. And the two of you would have been doing it, and I wouldn't have been a part of it. Right. So I, so I think part of understanding how this unseen part of the, of the kingdom of God works is that I've just come to the conclusion there are no coincidences. There are God-ordained happenings that just seem like David going and taking lunch to his brothers, and God says, I got something bigger going on today, but I'll let you know about it when it happens, you know? And I just, I kind of like living that way. I kind of like, you know... I don't need everything spelled out as soon as I wake up in the morning. It's like, okay, God, you know, 
put it on my iPad on my things to do of all the things that are going to be kingdom stuff that I'm going to do today. It's like, right. You know, I just like, I like walking down the road and bumping into these things. And (laughs) I I, I think it's an awesome way to live. And to me, that's the excitement of, of church now. You know, the excitement of church is not going into the building and sitting there and seeing, oh, they got a new bass player today. I wonder how he is. That's exciting. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, in other words, nothing changes, you know. Yeah. It's so funny. To talking about how the podcast came about, it was funny too because Michael had originally was originally going to be staying with somebody else, a friend of ours in in the DFW area, but his mm. schedule was booked, so he he asked me if he could stay over at my house. And even when that mm-hmm. happened, I remember thinking, I think God's in this. There's there's a God thing going on here. Uh, so trying that, to yeah. blame God for our folly. Yeah, exactly. I think that way. There's a wonderful slogan in the 12-step tradition, and the slogan goes like this. There's no such thing as a coincidence. It's just God maintaining God's anonymity. And that's my view of the way the the Father interacts with the entirety of creation. Um, If people say, is God an interventionist? I say, absolutely not. He doesn't sit up there and then wait to do miracles from time to time. He is actively involved in every last quark and cell and galaxy. He is, by the power of the energy of the spirit, he is actively involved in all of creation, all of life. And the miracles just happen to be the things that we see. But they're happening Mm -hmm. around us all the time. The miracle of life. Yeah. The things going on behind the scenes to prepare us for something that's coming. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it's like the rug with the beautiful pattern on top, but you flip it over and it's like all the crazy weaving, you know. And that's how we see our lives is all that crazy weaving. And we just have to trust that the Father is turning our story into a work of art, a poem. Yeah, good. yeah. I think I think you just hit on why I've always loved the movie Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, because I I never I I always was going. I feel like there's something deeply spiritual behind this. And when you said that, I went, "That's why. That's why I love that movie." Because here's this guy who appears to just be randomly living life, and yet everything is woven together like this beautiful tapestry. Yeah. And at the end of his life, all the people that he's touched and changed and influenced and all, all of that, just because of the loving person that he is. And, uh, and, and I love that, that, that it's uh, what you just described, Michael, is that it's um, yeah. And Jim, like you were saying, there, there's no coincidence. It's like God is, I mean, how much of even just the insanity, the things that, that we've gone through that are just seem like they're insane later become a toolbox that you're, that you're very much glad you have. Oh man, that, that's so true. Um, but, but that's only if we learn the lessons. I mean, I, I have to mm-hmm. admit for a lot of my life, I'd go through things and I didn't learn the lesson. I just tended to want to blame somebody or this or that, but I didn't learn the lesson. Now, when I go through shit, it's it's like, where's my notebook? What am I supposed to learn here? 
because I'm done with that. I'm, mm. I'm done with these old habits, done with these old ways of thinking, done with these old lifestyles. That's just done out with the old, just boom. So I'm trying to, I've been trying to be a good student of life. Yeah, that's really good. And, and, and that, um, and that ties right into the community because how much more if with each other, we're doing the same thing. Right. What am I learning in this relationship? You know, what, what am I, th- there are so many things I was just reflecting this morning, just on, on my own extended family areas where I was so sure I was right. And I was the victim and oh, they were just so mean and nasty. And now in, in my fifties, I look back and I'm like, you know, I was the asshole in that one. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I wasn't the hero in that story. I was the one who was playing the martyr card, but I was the jerk. You know. So I think that brings up a, a valid point that if we trust Father to put the relationships together, we're going to, on occasion find ourselves repeatedly coming back into contact with and and thus a relationship with someone who on every level rubs us the wrong way <laughs> yes it just happens and and we keep we keep coming up in in life okay uh I was an insurance broker for 18 years. I worked in uh, four different offices. And guess what? In all four offices, the same person. I don't mean the same name. I don't mean the same gender. I don't mean the same. I mean the same personality was in all four offices. And as I thought back, before I injured my back that, that caused me to have to change careers, I was in construction. And guess what? That same person worked on most of the construction crews that I worked for. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, okay, to take uh, what Michael said there, I can either, you know what? I hate those freaking people. Or I can... For some reason, Father keeps putting this person in this kind of person, this personality, into my life. There's got to be something in this that I need to learn. And even if it's just to use, uh, uh, you know, First Corinthians thirteen, you know, even if it's just the unnecessary parts of the body become more necessary, I'm not sure. <laughs> If that's the only lesson I can draw, but I can try it, you know, <laughs> I just like, okay, so Michael is over here raising his hand and going through contortions because he has something he wants to say. <laughs> I'm just laughing my ass off here. Oh, no, Jim, I'm agreeing with everything. I'm just thinking of situations I've been in where those are going. It's just like, just it made me laugh. It's like. Oh, Lord. Who had to cool down? Well, and I think a lot of our audience is probably laughing right now, too, because they can think of situations they've been in. Oh, yeah. And and those are the people that when I see them in the grocery store, I try and duck down the other aisle. It's like, oh, my God, there he is. I got to, I don't want to see this person. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Wasn't it just 20 minutes ago I was saying that? God orchestrates these chance meetings. It's like, 
Okay, maybe I need to talk. You know, maybe I need right. to connect with this person. You know, so yeah. Oh man, I, I relate. There's so much I want to say that I can't say because I can't incriminate myself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but but go on to say that's part of community too. You know, yeah. That's that's part of community. That there are unseeming parts of the body that he bestows more abundant honor on. Yeah, because it's like how here here's okay, exposing my weakness here is my thing is I'll I'll engage the conversation with the person because I'm a nice guy, but I really don't care anything about what they're saying. I just want to get out of this conversation as fast as I can. And so I've even watched YouTube videos on like a lawyer on how to end a conversation that's going nowhere, <laughs> you know, try and come up with my exit strategy, you know? And, uh, and, and that's why I'm like sitting here laughing because it's, it's um, the challenge is, okay, it's one thing to be like, okay, God, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna be a good boy. I'm gonna mm-hmm. engage this person mm-hmm. in the conversation, but that's not the cross. The cross is not only am I going to listen to you, I'm gonna see if I have something to build you up, to give to you, to hear the spirit on, to 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 actually love you, not just look for my exit from this conversation. That you know, frankly, I don't really care about the twenty different kinds of PVC pipe, you know, that exists or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I I will give you a story, and I will incriminate myself in this story. So when I was past, when I was pastoring in New York, uh, there was a, a man in the church that eventually became one of the elders in the, in the church, and but he irritated every single person in the whole church. I mean, he he just when he was set in as an elder, there were people, there were families that refused to go to church that day. To boycott the you know the, the the placement, he just irritated every person. He just had that I don't I don't know. He he got everybody. And one one Sunday, I had just finished preaching, hadn't even stepped off the platform yet, and he makes a beeline right down the center aisle, gets in my face, and starts talking about something that has nothing to do with the, the, the service that morning or the message or anything and only indirectly had anything to do with the church itself at all. And I just, I lost it. I could not handle it. I was so just boiling. And I, I just fired back. I said, get the F out of my face. Whoa. And my microphone was still alive. <laughs> oh, dang. Oh, man. So, where were you when I was writing that movie script on funny things that happen in church? Not oh, man. Time. No, no. So a year later, year and a half, maybe two years later, I'm a, a Vietnam vet. I've had issues with uh, Agent Orange situation. And at the time, I was having tumors appear on my body, and I'd had several of them cut off. I had another one under my arm. And 
one on the bottom of my foot that had been cut off three times and kept coming back larger. So in church, I said, you know what, guys, I've got to go in tomorrow morning. I've got to go and have another operation and whatever. I really could use prayer. He jumps up, walks right up to the front and says, I'm going to pray for you right now. And I'm just like, I don't want this guy praying for me. I don't want him making a show and whatever. And here's his prayer. Tonight when Jim takes his sock off and looks at his foot, let him see that that tumor is completely gone. And then tomorrow when he goes into the hospital and they do a biopsy on, on it, let them come back with the biopsy that it is a completely different composition than the previous biopsy and not necessary to operate on. To the, to the exact word that he prayed, that's exactly what happened, and I haven't had a tumor since. Woo! Wow. That's, and I'm like, okay, work. God, you put this guy in my life. Yeah. And, and we became friends. Well, reckon. He still irritated me sometimes that I still had to, under my breath, you know, just go, ah! <laughs> you know? <laughs> But but for the most part, we became friends. We laughed a lot. We hung out in each other's house and whatever. And I don't really think it was because I got healed when he prayed. I mean, that, that was as wonderful. I love not having tumors every few months, you know. That's a good thing. Yeah. But I, I, I think it was just that I saw through, you know, at the underneath his personality that rubs people the wrong way is a man who loves the Lord and who has a simple childlike faith that God does what you ask God to do, you know? Ask me anything, God says. And so so he does. He asks anything and it happens. And it's like, so, you know, he's gone on to be with the Lord many, many years ago now. But, um, I always remember both those lessons. It's like, one, I was in my flesh. Two, I was, okay, maybe this guy isn't so bad after all. <laughs> you know? That's right. Wow. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what a great practical example about, you know, the, the less seemly parts being even more, you know, I, I forget the term. It more, used, more necessary. More necessary, yeah. I mean, and, uh, and that just... Uh, kind of blows up our thinking of, I just want to be around people that are just like me. Um, wow. That's, that's great. Cause as you were sharing that, I started thinking about all these people who are completely different than me that ended up, you know, that would even be the type that would rub me the wrong way that ended up being a blessing to me in in one way or another. Um, and then, and then also just wrong judgments I made about people right from the start. Where, um, you know, mm-hmm. I, I saw that certain personality type that pushes a button in me or something. And so I just put them in that category. Oh, they're this type of person. And then later on, like, discover, wow, they were a tremendous blessing and help to me, you know. And they weren't actually at all like I first had thought they were, you know, just because on the surface level, you know, I had that knee-jerk reaction to their personality type. 
um, I've, I've seen that even with, uh, with people at my job, you know, just, uh, people I managed that there were people I immediately made wrong assessments about who ended up being a tremendous help to me on the job. So yeah, it's, it's very humbling. Here's a sobering thought to some people. I'm the less comely person, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? I mean, to yeah. some people, they look as, oh, man, that Jim, he, oh, my God, he just gets to me, <laughs> like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I remember. <laughs> I don't know if I should say this or not. Back back when I, you were pastoring Old Town um, Christian Center, um, somebody mm-hmm. had left. There was a couple who had left the church, and this mm-hmm. is when you were a pastor, and I saw him in the grocery store. Uh, Eureka's a small town, Michael, well, so you'd see a lot of people, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so we so we would uh, and and I said, uh, "Oh, why why haven't you been in haven't seen you at church in a while?" And the lady goes, "Something Jim said offended me." Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I offended a lot of people. <laughs> you know, there were people that were offended that I considered our fellowship to be a family and not an army, the army of God marching through the land, you know, and like we're a family. It's like, and and there were people that are offended about that, and I'm like, ah, what are wow. you gonna do? What are you gonna do? You know, it's yeah, it's true. <laughs> wow. Have another beer. Exactly. a cart quiet. full of them in the grocery that's store, it, man. <laughs> and I don't care who sees. Well, guys, that's actually about time. This. uh this was fun because conversation, as often happens, went in directions didn't even expect it to go. Um, so, uh, guys, where can let's start with Jim? Where can people find your book that does hit on some of the things we just talked about? It does. It's uh, "Dying of Thirst on the Bank of the River." It's on Amazon.com. All right, great. And Michael, your materials also hit on some of this stuff. Uh, where can people find your stuff? Yeah, next to Jim's stuff. <laughs> <laughs> on Amazon. Amazon YouTube, <laughs> indeed. All right. Well, thanks everybody for tuning in, and uh, we'll talk to you all next week. All right.